Um, now I'd like to introduce our second storyteller, Vasuda Vas, um, born in Faridabad, um, Haryana. Um, they lived there until 2007 and moved to Australia. They are almost 19, um, 18, um, and identify as a queer, non-binary person of color. They studied advanced physics at uh, University of Western Sydney and are on a gap year for 2019 and returning to studies next year. Um, Vass describes themselves as, uh, their, as their identity as an elaborate government hoax <laughs> and an attempt to be chilled through blunt, meme-like Gen Z humor. I'm Gen Y, so I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's because a Gen Y person is saying it. Um, <laughs> In their spare time, they can be found listening to copious amounts of music, um, moderating queer Asian Facebook groups, and listening to podcasts, or taking their 15th walk of the week. Please welcome Vasu. Vas. Okay, I'm super nervous. I don't know how to follow that, but I'll try. Okay. Welcome to my open letter. This is to my family, but I'll take you through it. There are some questions that I've had since realizing that I was queer. But before I like delve into these, I'll give you a rundown of my life and who I am and what I stand for. I'm currently 18, soon to be 19. I'm North Indian, I was born Hindu, and now I'm agnostic. I'm not surprised by that. I was born and raised in Haryana and moved to Australia when I was seven and a half. I realized that I was not straight TM when I was 14.5, and I realized that I was non-binary sometime around 15.8. <laughs> I came out to my parents around 2017, much to their dismay. It was around the time of the plebiscite, and I was really, really keyed up from being in a Catholic school and listening to posters that said it's okay to say no. And obviously, all of this homophobic rhetoric came out in discussions with my parents that helped neither them or me. So I currently describe my political identity as an angry leftist gremlin, it's largely, <laughs> it's largely a product of my queer and Indian identity. And also because gremlins are like what us 18-year-olds are using to describe ourselves right now. So I would say that I've been shaped a lot by this secular social justice activism that I did in like my Catholic high school. I didn't really engage with the religious stuff. Um, and also, weirdly enough, by Tumblr in 2014. That was really big for me. <laughs> Now, I guess you could say that I was raised in a pretty progressive household. Me being a girl didn't, girl, by the way, didn't really stop my family from throwing every opportunity at me to like ensure that I succeeded. I grew up in a household of strong matriarchs. There is no one that my papa speaks more highly of than my grandma and his sister, my bua. They're both teachers and a source of massive inspiration to me. I wanna be a teacher as well. But here's the thing as I grew up. I began to realize that every freedom that I had was suddenly conditional on how it affects the family name, my nanaji's name, and my dadaji's name. I had to rapidly start following the rules to like fit into this mold of the sanskari, but badass first kid in the house. Sanskari means up, um, of virtuous upbringing and behavior, which I don't think my family would agree with. <laughs> um, this mold had been cast for me since I had been born, and I was expected to fill it, regardless of the fact that I had moved to Australia. I live in a state of disbelief now. I've been told to go full steam ahead since being born for so much of my life, but was forced to a grinding halt once I hit my mid-teens, when I became a woman. And 
every action that I have on social media is like a hot topic of discussion between like the old people in my house and myself. I can't post photos of Mardi Gras on my Instagram because my aunts follow me. It's, it's really annoying. So now being queer and non-binary isn't really something that matches my family's idea of what the first kid in the house should be like. It, and it's left me at odds in deciding do I live for myself and my own happiness or do I live to please the family that has made me become the driven person that I am today? Here are the two most prominent questions I have for the sake of time that I've been given, but also because they're on my mind the most. One, this is to my grandparents. Should I tell you about myself and who I am or let you live the remainder of your life in blissful ignorance? To my family, would you come to my wedding? So, as I just mentioned about three seconds ago, I'm the oldest kid in the house on both sides. And being female passing is its own can of worms. Marriage is a hot topic, both as a joke and as a serious topic that people think it's necessary to talk about. My family's been saving up money since my birth for my wedding, which makes me really uncomfortable. It's, <laughs> it's a goal that I need to fulfill for my grandparents. So my nanny asked me this question that really like triggered this question off. You'll be married by 20, won't you? It was January 2018, Haryana, in Faridabad. I was 17 at the time. It wasn't as cold as it should have been because of climate change, you know. Um, <laughs> we were sitting in our room in blankets having chai. Mommy was there with us as well, and you asked her what I'd be doing in the next few years. You said that you wanted to see at least one grandchild married before you died. My nanaji had set up a fund in the week of my birth. It was for my wedding some 20 to 30 years down the line. I was six to 10 days old. And so about my nanny, she's pretty short. Like, I'm wearing heels right now, so I guess she would come up to here. Um, and she, she's kind of round, like in a really loving, homey way. Um, she calls my mom baby, when, and she speaks in a dialect of Hindi that I only sometimes understand. And she calls me Lali, which roughly translates to girl, I guess, like affectionately. She's kind, she's a phenomenal cook, and she's stern, but she's ready to laugh over the most weird things. So, remember, Nani, I was 17 when you asked me this question, and my God, it has plagued me since. Even if it was a joke, it keeps me awake on some nights. It was a month after I'd gotten my HSE results. I had an advanced physics degree lined up for me with four scholarships, and you decided to ask me about my wedding. And... It led me to begin questioning, should I ever come out to my grandparents or let them live in a blissful ignorance? Now, I mean, if you start to ask my parents this, I think they would yell no the moment that you mention the words grandparents and gay in the same sentence. So there's that answer. But now I want to talk about my dadi. She was my dad's mother and she passed away last year at the start of March. And one of the things that I asked myself for the entirety of March 2018 was, should I have come out to her as queer? She always wished for my happiness, made sure that I never cried in the house, and gave my parents and aunts and uncles hell if I did. She was the matriarch of the house, and no one dared to speak against her because she was a teacher and had a really loud voice. <laughs> and I wonder if there's something resembling an afterlife. Are you watching over me, and are you happy for me? Is this okay? We're separated, we were separated by 15,000 kilometers because of migration. You died not knowing who I was, and I still regret it. Um, so on Sunday night, three days ago, I had a talk with my grandpa. He just landed in Australia on Saturday morning. 
And I was really tired. I'd been up since 4 a.m. for work. It was 9 p.m. I was ready to go to bed, but I wanted to tell him something before I went to bed that night. And I'm really nervous that he's here, by the way, because I've been coming to all these queer events and he doesn't know that. So I'm worried that he'll find out. But I told him that I was going to become a teacher and he looked at me with so much pride that I was taken aback. He said, this makes me very happy. And then he followed it with, I wish that you had told your grandma last year. And this was shocking to me. My mind immediately jumped to this piece and I was like, oh my God, I have to rewrite. And then it was followed by, oh my God, Gary's going to kill me because he has to edit it. <laughs> and just my dadaji saying something like that, like, I wish your daddy knew, was monumental. I've been speaking a lot about being open and honest with my grandparents, despite the kilometers which separate us. It brought tears to my eyes. If I had told her I was becoming a teacher in 2018, I think she would have talked about it every day to everyone until the day she died. And now I'm stuck in speculation on how she might have reacted to my identity. But then again, who am I to take away from the dreams of, the, of my future heteronormative life plan that, that the inevitable disappointment and anxiety will come with me disclosing my identity to them? We come from different times. Their struggles defined quite a large portion of their lives. Just listening to any one of my grandparents talk about their childhood brings tears to my eyes. But I wonder, is it so bad to wish that they'd accept me and love me for the whole me instead of the ideas and expectations they've kind of held since my birth? So now I get to my second question, and I wonder, should I ask my whole family if they would come to my wedding? In my head, it's glamorous, this wedding of mine. The family I've been with since I was born, the family that I've found, you know, after moving here, that they're sitting in the corner over there. And everyone who's at a hand and raising me is there. My dad's friends are there. Their families are there. My grandpa's friends and their families are there. There's, this is like a whole thousand people shebang. We're not talking about, like, 140 people, no offense. <laughs> um, it's as big as it can get because I'm the first kid in the house. And I wonder if the wedding will be here or will it be in India or am I one of those lucky bastards that has two? <laughs> and I wonder if it'll be in Western style or will it be in an Indian style and will people fly over? Will it be the whole five days of Sangeets, Mandi nights, dinners, preparations? And I wonder if I'll get to show the friends that I've made here the customs of where I'm from. In my mind, I wear red. It's a langa, maybe. I don't know. Um, it, looks, it looks like it's the perfect complement to my skin. It's the only color in which I can say that I don't hate the color of my skin. And absolutely mean it. I'm wearing Mandi up to on both my arms, up past my elbows, ideally up to here, and um, I look regal. There's minimal makeup because it's never been my thing. I'm just wearing lipstick tonight. I just want to point that out. And the person across me, I don't know who they'll be, and I spiral into a series of thoughts, each one worse than the came before it. What if it's a white guy? <sighs> <laughs> Okay, so I can like safely tell you that I don't despise myself enough to date a cis white guy. Um, what if it's a Muslim guy? Oh no, beta, what will people say? What if it's a girl? Your grandfather's reputation will be tarnished. What if it's a trans person? Ai hai, yakyakia, what have you done? And there's only one scenario in which I can think 
that my family would come to my wedding. The white guy. And I think I would be after the initial Gora jokes pass. Gora means white, by the way. He's not Punjabi Londa, but he'll suffice. And maybe the Muslim guy if the prejudice passes. Um, I made the mistake one day of voicing these thoughts to my mom. It was in a moment of <laughs> really regrettable vulnerability. It was around the plebiscite. And, <coughs> sorry. And um, I asked her if my family would come to my wedding. I was 17, barely. I think I was like 16, like a month off of being 17, sorry. And I wrote about it for a year 12 piece because that's the logical thing to do when you're traumatized. And I wrote two sections, I'll read two sections of it now and they go as follows. Section one, you're too young to know, she trailed. How long am I too young? Until you force me to marry a boy I don't want to marry, I snapped back. Section two, I'm gay, I stated, heartbroken in tears. You're only young, she repeated. Did you ever wonder if your parents would come to your wedding? Did you ever wonder if your family would come? I shot at her, words dripping with pain. You're 17, you won't get married for years, you're being stupid, she cried. And there was that query of mine answered, put to rest in the corner of my brain, coming up in situations like this where I decide that, you know, rec reciting my traumas to a room full of strangers and my HSE English markers is the best way to cope. And some of those lines were, were lifted verbatim from my mom as she said them in 2017. I wrote this piece about two days after she said these things. And a lot of this happened after, after she walked in on me and my partner sleeping. We were quite literally asleep. It was April, it was cold, and we were under the same blanket. She didn't talk to me for three weeks after that. I wish I knew what was going through her head. And I wish I knew what's going through her mind now. She slowly accepted that I am queer. She doesn't know that I'm non-binary and that I'm working for a queer organization and constantly speaking up about queer rights. But I still wonder, has she accepted me? She knows I'm here tonight and she knows that I work with the organization, but has she accepted me beyond saying, it's okay, you can go? And lastly, I was, I was raised on this idea that no matter what happens, family will be by my side. But this asterisk that I can see on their love, the conditions that I need to meet in order to be given their protection, strikes absolute terror into me because I cannot fathom losing them. And maybe that's what's suppressing my identity around them. Thank you. Thank you.